the tea health show medical lifestyle show and this is the tea health show and i'm chris avon smith and with me in the studio we have as always our host with the most Dr. Mark. Morning, Chris. Are you well? I'm very well this morning, Mark. Thank you so much. It's always good to spend a Wednesday morning with you looking really good in new black scrubs for a change. You know what? I'm doing training today again for Gal, uh, Galderma, so um, we need to wear very, very corporate outfits. Corporate outfits. So <laughs> very yeah. good. And in studio with us, we also have uh, Prof. Yanni Ferreira. Welcome, Prof. Thanks. Pleasure to be here. Um, Prof. Yanni, uh, let me just introduce you. You used to be the head of department of optometry at the University of Preto- uh, Johannesburg. Um, you've retired a short while ago. Um, retirement suiting you well? Yes, indeed. Um, retirement from academic life, but I'll continue in private practice and, and now I'm finding time to actually do research, which I always wanted to do. You know, if you're in the university and you're heading an apartment, you're getting so much involved in administrative stuff that you, that you don't really get to the stuff that I like, and that's the research side. And this is what's going to bring us to our topic today. So, <clears throat> this was very interesting. Um, we're talking about... R- Vision and the role that it plays in learning and reading, and you call it something very interesting. You don't call it difficulties, you call it frustrations. Please expand on this for us. Sure, uh, and, I'm, and I'm very strong on the word frustrations because it's too easy to use the word disorders or difficulties. And when we, once we use that word, it, what you're actually saying to a child that you are abnormal. You know, I've done thousands of cases, and it's just amazing when I start with a child to actually say to the child that you're not abnormal. There's a frustration. And and even a little seven-year-old, you would be amazed that if you say that to a child, how that little face lightens up. And that just made me realize that we're using terms with children, and in the back of their mind, you're actually putting this doubt that there's something wrong with me, I'm abnormal. And particularly, if we now want to label all these children attention deficit. Yes, absolutely. And I think this is one of the problems. Um, we would have been joined by Dr. Melanie Jacobs. And you know what? We, we've had her on the show a couple of times. Unfortunately, lady, Melanie yeah. is a little bit under the weather. And Prof, you, you've worked with Melanie for so many years. Yeah, she and was she's a postgraduate student of mine. And, and she's, um, a, f- according to me, one of our experts in education. And when I spoke to her last night, she said to me that you will save us. And, it is that labeling of a child uh, when we tell them that there's something wrong with them. The behavior of a child changes to Absolutely. suit the label that they've been given. Absolutely. And that's tragic. So um, I'm really going out and I'm talking as much as I can to different groups and even uh, take invitations to go and speak to teachers at schools to say we need a different perspective. Uh, it's sad that we do this to children. Interesting enough, this has been around all the years, but we're now treating it differently. I mean, before the 1990s, there was something like a hiding. If you didn't do your schoolwork well, you got a you hiding. Got, you got a Abs- hiding. Yeah, absolutely. Well, okay. I think it was into the 90s. <laughs> okay, and I'm not asking for corporal punishment to come back. But well. you know what? You took your hiding and you moved on. And since the 1990s, we decided, but that's not on. Now we need a far more psychological approach to deal with children. And I'm saying to you that the psychological approach is causing more harm. Because now you're saying to children, that you're abnormal. If I'm saying that, if you look at the attention deficit thing, attention deficit is called by the health, World Health Organization, it's a psychiatric disorder. 
Yes. So if if you take your We're child, we're talking to about ADD or ADHD both, or both, both of, of them. them. Both of them. You know, and and so you know what happens nowadays. If you say something, parents would go onto Doctor Google, mm. and Doctor Google would say to him, "Yeah, your child suffers from a psychiatric disorder, and the impact that that is having not just on the child but the whole family." And as we go along, it's made easier. In the 1990, the World Health Organization had an Categorization, which they simply call DSM four. I, I, that was the one that I studied mm. when I was at med school. We had DSM four just after I finished. I think they brought out the DSM five, and I think they're already on eight or nine. Well, indeed, the DSM five came right about approximately twenty ten. But what's different was that in the DSM four, to have a child. Diagnosed as as attention deficit, there you had to have eight out of twelve so-called symptoms, and the entrance rate uh, age was twelve years. Yeah. Now in 2010 it's moved. Now you only need four, not more, not eight symptoms to be four. classified. Yeah. And did they move the age as well? Or Indeed, down to seven. Oh and my I'll God! So you know we're now really making. Toddlers, um, psychiatric patients. I'm, I'm waiting for that age to go down to five. Now you can see why I have to, to make sure that I'm sitting still here because I want to jump up and down out of frustration. Yeah. And, and what's happened since then as well, now it became like we've seen with autism, where they start talking about spectrums. So it's almost if we want to get children onto this, just get them onto a spectrum. And when we talk about these spectrums, yes, I would say the upper limits of the spectrum may be well, truly cases, but if, if a child presents with two symptoms, now you can put them on a spectrum. The question is, why do you want this child on a spectrum? Why Labeled. We, yeah, why do we want to label these children? But, I mean, it's, it's, it's the whole point of pathologizing Absolutely. children. And, and, and surely we need to move away from, away from that. So, uh, Brooke, it's it's now become my, my whole last thing is to drive this whole process so to say, we, please. We will, we will have a lot of these sessions then because, you know, we, we do have a platform in where we can create awareness. So, Prof, let's take a step back. What is it that these children present with? Why, why do we label them? Um, you, you, you mentioned something uh, pre-show that um, it, when the eyes don't focus properly. But before we go into the um, cause of of the pathology of these conditions what are the symptoms what do parents look out for and how can we we say okay fine maybe just go and have an a, a vision test sure well you're quite right we're not going to get through this in in one session because it's it's just there's so many factors in, involved in this whole thing as I said before, it's been around all always. So the question is, what changed? Just to get just quickly back to the HD. In 1990, only two percent of children were labelled with ADHD. By 2012, that exceeded 10, 12, 13 percent. We're now going to run closer to 20 percent for people being labelled ADHD. Then it says to you, it's not genetic. Let's start there. It's why? Why? It can't be genetic because we haven't had enough generations. Sure. Okay. Sure. Okay. Genetics don't change that quickly. So it says to you, um, I always say there is a genetic involvement. Um, as we say in the research, it's not a genotype. It's the phenotype. Okay. So Would you, do you I'm going to just explain, explain the sure. difference for our listeners? Sure. Genotype just simply means that's pure genetics. Yeah. But phenotype means it's genetics with the interaction with the environment. And that's the critical part. And, there, and now we're asking, how do children interact with the environment? And now we're talking about the latest generations, Generation Z, and then also Generation Alpha, that's started in, in 2010. So those kids are already 10 years old. So what is changed in their environment that's actually making Mobile us? Mobile devices. 
Absolutely. <laughs> it's all about it's all about devices. Um, the the point of focus for vision changed. That's the whole thing. So it's gone from Far distance to close. Sure. To they sit like I know my my godson sits. I, I mean I don't even know what he looks like unless I put a phone in front of his face. Absolutely, guys. It's crazy to see little babies sitting with cell phones. Two year olds. Mm. Even even younger than two year olds, Mark. I'm talking babies that's still sitting in a pram that can't even walk yet. Mm. They can probably crawl, but already they start playing on a cell phone. The impact of that is going to be dramatic. So what are we dealing with? It, it's it's not just the vision. The vision is is caused by other things. So let's start off by a couple of things. The first is the one thing that we've called physical literacy. My whole interest in visual skills actually started from the world of sport, where yes, I was involved. You used to be um, a big rugby man. Weren't you the, the head of the UJ's rugby? Oh, no, you Transvaal rugby. I was, I was the president of, of the Golden Lions, yes. and I also served on the executive of uh, SA Rugby, it's true. And then also, I've been on the High Performance Committee of SASCOC, the Olympic Committee, for 13 years. And there, it went all about visual skills. That was my expertise that I contributed to uh, that. So, I always knew that visual skills is critically important. So, when we talk vision, it's not just the ability to see things clearly. It's the skills that help us to survive in our world around us. So, what we now are finding... Is and therefore they created the world with physical literacy. I remember way back in 2002 already. I was uh, one of the speakers at the Commonwealth Conference in Manchester when the Commonwealth Games were there. And people were standing up and saying, where are we going to get the next David Beckham? Because children is not physical literate. So, that's a so with physically, physical literacy, you basically are talking about how we read our world through vision. Yeah, but to be able to do that, we have to develop basic body movements. Starting from the head, you know, with little babies, when they start, it's just the head that can move, and then they start moving the shoulders, so we're going from central out. And because children are sitting now, little babies and not moving around, they don't develop that basic critical skills. We, we often talk about the first thousand days, which is critical in developing just basic motor skills. Mm. That's not happening. That's the one part. The second one... So it's the gross motor skills. Absolutely. Because I was, I was going to say, I, I, the counter-argument that, that I know a lot of parents who do, who do this will say, yes, but their fine motor skills are fantastic because they're working on, on, sure. on the phones and stuff sure. like that. But, but gross I can't motor skills is, 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 is what's important absolutely. for you to start moving around in your environment yeah, yeah. and to survive. You see, but if, I'm, if my gross motor skills are not in place, my fine motor skills are not going to be great because those actually form the base of the pyramid. Absolutely. So, and what happens with that is not just vision, it's the whole sensory development. So, Prof, it, it basically sounds as if we are engineering our phenotypes to become weaker and weaker. Absolutely. It's sad. But if it's if we were to be, mm. survive in the wild, um, our grandfathers would have had a much better chance sure. of surviving than our children today. Yeah. And that's through our own doing. Unfortunately, that's extremely true. And guys, I'm not against screens. This generation certainly are digital natives, but there is a way of dealing with it and so that we can get the good out of it and not, not just the bad. So, you know, before I can mm. get to, to vision, I say, so I'm getting a child. It's not physical literacy. The gross motor is not. You know, the gross motor means that that child will not be able to sit quietly in a chair because they would slump in the chair. And now you wonder why they're moving around so much because it's not there. The sensory development, which integrates all the different senses, is not in place. And that is critical. Let's, I often use a very simple example, which I call the Tupperware model. I don't know whether you guys know this round ball. 
you know, about the size of a soccer ball. Yes. Yeah. It's plastic. And oh, then the it, ones in which we had to put exactly. the, the, the shapes in. Exactly. And the star and the block. Oh, yes. And yeah, right, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, now you've got those holes in, which is a star or a square yeah, 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 or yeah. a triangle or what, and then the little child. Today's children don't know what that is. No, no you know what happens. Is they can do that on the on a on a computer on a laptop. Yeah. But so by no using my finger, I'm tracking that shape and I'm putting it. And stars goes off for music. But it's not three dimensional. That's it's completely two dimensional. That's my point. And the only sense that you develop there is a finger that actually drags that shape into. Young children would actually feel that. You can shake it. You can hear it. Little kids would even try Peter's pieces in their mouth and and try and taste it. Can you see there's a whole sensory approach here? That Absolutely. you develop all this, all, all your senses, senses because you're in five senses. Yeah. Sorry, and yeah. they pick it up and they bang it against exactly. things, and they make the noise, yeah. and they throw it, and they're getting all those, as you say, the gross motor skills. Absolutely. Going. So now we're getting that integration of senses, mm. and what we now lacking is that integration of senses. Okay. So now, why why are we surprised that our children now seems not to be able to concentrate because they can't because the basis of the whole learning and there are people that saying if you don't physical literate you will never become a illiter- uh, reading or even numerical literacy mm, mm. that's crazy and it's becoming more guys there's another thing which we call visual literacy and and we're doing it all even our generation if somebody what's up to something you know you don't say to him thank you you use a little Picture that says um, a thumbs up, absolutely. yeah, uh, emoji or a smile or thing. Yeah, yeah. So now we've got a new language. Yes, and these children are doing it nowadays. They don't write out words or things, and even us, you now start using these symbols. So, you guys, if you don't know the symbols, in a couple of years from oh, now, uh, y- you won't be I able to communicate. What my, my nieces and nephews are sending me, and also just, I mean, if they try and type words, spelling I mean, is I, atrocious. I mean, it's, they, they shorten words. It's it's what what's it? Uh, in Afrikaans. Straight. WMJ. What mark ye? Yeah. It's, yeah, yeah. It, you know that's it's it's ridiculous. You know? Yeah. No. So the sad part is we, before we can get to vision is why is the vision in, in trouble? Because the things that we need where vision builds them, the so visual motor integration, what we call it, those things are not in place. And because those things are not in place, there's no way that my vision is going to work efficiently. And what I'm talking about is just simply that if I'm going to start doing close-up things, my eyes need to be together comfortable. My eyes need to focus comfortably. And if those two, which we call the convergence accommodation skills, which is, is neurologically linked, if they're not in place, there's no way that my eyes can track smoothly across the page, which I need to do when I'm reading or writing. And then we're surprised that our children is in trouble. And you know what? I've said this before on the show. When this happened to me a couple of weeks ago when I, I, I lost one of my cranial nerves and I, I started seeing double, my whole life fell apart. It was, I couldn't mm. function. I was incredibly frustrated, incredibly anxious. Sure. Um, and I, I just, I, I couldn't carry on with my normal day. I, not carry on with my normal day. I didn't want to have a next day. Yeah. And you guys, if these things are not in place, now I can see why children would end up with symptoms of attention deficit. Because that's how they actually sending messages to us to say, I'm uncomfortable. Mm. I can't deal with these things. That's why I'm saying the wrong thing now is to label this child. Because what you're actually saying to him is, just continue and it's not just me saying this and the sad thing is because most of those children are going on medication with major side effects those are psychiatric psychiatric medications and it's not me the center for disease control in the united states which i think is one of the foremost institutions doing research on all these things Mm. has expressed their concern to say it is it is not good to see how many children are being put onto medication and why would you sorry um you know what, I see it in my practice more and more and more. But it's not only children who's being put exactly. on, on a Ritalin, exactly. Concerta, Stratera. Um, one in every 
three to four of my patients that walk into my office are on and visa guys in their 30s 40s ladies in their uh, 50s um, who are on ritalin and concerta what what concerns me as i said to you earlier on this has been around all years what happened now is that even our adults are spending far more time in front of computers. Mm. So our visual systems are going under the same strain. And now it's almost as if these oaks are happy now to say, wow, we've missed this person when he was a youngster. So let's now now start talking about adult ADHD. It's the same thing. It's the same system that's now battling to cope. And the way that I'm not battling to cope is that concentration is becoming an issue for me. Mm. And it's the same thing to deal with. I've seen it more so during the lockdown. Yes, absolutely. So um, we will get we'll get to that point where where we had the lockdown syndrome that you spoke about uh, a a couple of minutes ago. So. Vision. How does how do we form our vision? And maybe if you can just, in layman's terms, explain to us the very complex um, issue of um, the vision and how it focuses yes. through your uh, optical um, nervous sure. system. Because there's a crossover, uh, which I think a lot of us do not understand or even know about. Remember, at birth, the visual system is still not developed 100%. So you may see in little babies there, the two eyes may not even seem to be focused together. They run around. So it's only around about the age of two where the right and left eye are actually working together through pathways that's formed from light that goes from the eye with the optic nerve, crossing at the optic asthma, going round and then ending up in the occipital lobe with the back of our mind so, so that we can have two images formed into one. And, but that is, and that's where a lot of things go wrong. Well, that's the point now. If I'm now starting to put a young baby's system on a strain, I'm now getting to a point where those two eyes may not develop together because of the strain that's caused on that system. And that's why it's so critical not to have young babies, even any child, under the age of two even getting close to any digital device so prof um we know that we have left and right handed people yeah. you're a lefty yep. um, yourself and you know what uh, back in the day lefties were labeled and you were forced to to Try and write with your right hands, etc., etc. Um, yeah, yeah, I was just going to say they use beat heat. or yeah. tie hands behind backs yeah. and things like that. And now we we also have left and right eyed people. Sure. So sure. Um, go go into that for us. So that that is a session almost on its own because. Uh, in a sense, through the grace of God, I think I found a way to help these children before I actually myself truly understand why I'm managing to do so. And that all comes down to this whole thing of dominance. We've got eight dominant structures in our bodies, which means there's like a left hand, we've got left or right handed, it's left or right footed, left or right ear, the eyes by all means, and then you can divide the brain into three divisions as well. So the moment you oh, have no, a... No, that's interesting. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, we have know, to go back right. there. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I knew this, you know, I, I haven't heard of the three different areas of a brain that's left and right brained. I know left and right brain. Sure, but that's the left and right, and then it's the front frontal, frontal brain and the and the, and the uh, mid brain and the at, at the back, and then it's the 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 top brain and the and the lower brain. If you really look stem. at yeah, if you really look at all these things, yeah, yeah, sure. then you're getting into the brain stem, which is called the reptilian brain, brain. yeah, which our males are preferring when we're under stress. So, say, guys, there's so many aspects to this; it's going to be difficult to deal with it in one okay. second. But the whole thing about dominance is, to my mind, the critical factor in the end. 
Because you can change one's hand as they try to change me from being a left-handed by beating me on my hand. Mm. Now, in Afrikaans, I also can't say my R, you know, I bray, as we say. Yeah. So I got beaten for that as well. So I had more hidings than food when I was small. <laughs> but the, the critical thing is, the critical thing is nobody labeled me. And because of that, I just went on and I did my thing. You know, and I survived and I collected a couple of few academic degrees and things, which means the potential is there. And that's the sad thing, that most mm. of these, the potential is there, the academic potential. But it doesn't come out because of these frustrations that they have to battle with. But what we now created is we now created cross-dominance. And that's the critical thing. Because you can change one's hand, but you don't change the other things. So no. Um, and these are the people that are, uh, that you can see that can do left and right. And they, they left handed, but they, but they do things with their right hand. Uh, for me, it's fascinating because I can't even scratch my ear with my left hand. Mm. No, you see, that's why always, well, let's start there. There was a PhD not so long ago that showed that people that's ambidextrous are actually a left hand dominant. Because only our lefties that teach ourselves to work in the right handed world. Right. You know, guys, and I can see the link back to my involvement with the high performance in sport because mm. I've picked that up in the high performance athletes that these guys that were ambidextrous were making brilliant athletes in certain sports and that's what triggered me to start looking at this whole dominance factor I, I, I hear what you say because I'm dominant on my left foot um, but my right hand um, and when I used to I, I played korfball, as you yeah. know, Prof. And mm. for guys that played against me, because I'm stronger in my left leg, I, they couldn't catch me or they couldn't get away from me because you were there. Yeah. I was I was sure. on the left hand side, of, and I always stood on the left hand side of my opponents. So you can see it started there, and so when that's why I said to myself, "But is this true in the world of sport? What happens in the world of schooling?" And wow. can, yeah, and and that's actually what triggered the whole thing. So what we now sitting because remember that dominance is established in the first thousand days, as they refer to it. So your first three years of development—it's critical. It is absolutely critical because the brain now actually forms a pathways linking the dominant left eye to the right hand that you forced me into, and that creates indeed a weakness. It creates a weakness because now the brain needs to start sending that messages around before the message can settle where it, where it needs to end up. So, so basically, you're putting that stimulus from vision on a detour. Absolutely. Absolutely. So now, and that's why the cross-dominance creates so many problems, and that's those kids that get labeled as dyslexic or attention deficit. Because what happens if my eyes are not working comfortably together? I'm not going to use them. Yeah. Well, what happens is the moment my system goes on a strain, then my dominant parts take over. Let's start with the brain. I always say we're whole brain people. So when people say, oh, sorry, forgive me, I'm a right brain, I say, uh-huh. it doesn't work that way. You've got a left and a right, and if the system is working comfortably, then the brain will work integrated. It's only when the system goes under stress or strain mm. that you would now function according to your dominance. And then you would act as left brain or right brain dominance, and that's going to determine how you respond to a particular situation. The same with the eyes. If my eyes are comfortable together, no problem. But if my system is under strain or stress, then the dominant eye is going to take over. Guys, and this is the fascinating thing. If you're left eye dominant, the left eye dominant tracks from right to left. When I'm reading, I'm actually using my right eye, which tracks from left to right, as we in our culture would read. The left eye just keeps coming from one line to the next. But now, when my left eye takes over, when my system gets tired, the right eye, the left eye takes over, and it works from right to left. Now you can understand simply why these children would make problems with their B's or D's, or... Any other things where they would write mirror images of letters because it's the left eye taking over. 
Wow. And the crazy thing is, it is a wow. Because it's the crazy really thing is, the moment you take this train out, yeah. it disappears. Right. It disappears. It gives me goosebumps every single time I see by simply taking out the strain, I can help this kit and it's gone. It's over. It doesn't happen anymore. So that's why that dominance thing is something that, as I said, has probably a session on its own to deal with that. Guys, and, and that's genetic. We so, Prof, um, in, in a young child, mm. uh, in that first thousand days, yeah. can we determine... Um, whether it, in of that eight areas, well, let's, sure. let's make it the big five. Uh, um, can we determine left and right dominance already, or is it too soon? Well, well, you can, but what's, but it is difficult, but you don't have to. Because okay. interesting enough, all the dominances actually develop according to dominance, except for the ones that we change. And the one that we do change is the hand. Nobody's going to try and, and, and encourage a kid to kick a ball with his left foot or right foot. He just let him go, and the kid would use his normal, which he prefers. Dominant one, but but it's remember, the, hand. The, the whole thing about left is as old as the ages. I mean, in the in the Middle Ages, they said that these people that are left-handed, it's got the devil in them. Okay. And they were actually burning some of these people. In Latin, the left word, the word for left is sinistra. Ah. As in sinister. It, exactly. Can you see how it gets Whoa. there? So can you see how, guys, it goes back to biblical times. And, and I honestly cannot understand. So there why you talk about your right-handed man and things like that. I don't know why our lefties has been isolated and there's no reason under the sun for that. In certain cultures, in, in, in our African cultures today, it's disrespectful if you would hand something to somebody with your left hand. So I know the Gorgos, and they confirmed it to me, are still hitting children if they see the children as left-handed. So they even force them out of the left hand into mm. right hand. In certain religions, the left-handed, Absolutely. again, you're not allowed to use your left hand. So to answer your question, so the only thing we change, oh it's amazing, guys. That's why it's taken over my life. In, in, <coughs> I had a mom the other day, one of these cross-dominant kids, and she had a baby of, of three months. No, the baby was old. The baby was about 10 months old. And I said to the, to, and she said to me, but how do I know whether this kid's not also supposed to be left? I said, you know what? Because it's not in our frame of reference. What we do is in your early baby days, when you give the baby the bottle, without thinking you're putting the bottle in his or her right hand. Mm. When you put a spoon in the hand, you take the spoon and you put it in the right hand. So we immediately conform them to us. Absolutely. And that's then what you start doing. And I said to this mom, you know what? Go back home. Take a bottle. Don't put the bottle in in his right hand. Put the bottle right in the middle in front of him. And see see what happens. And see what happens. She was barely home when she called me. She said she wanted to talk to me immediately. I said, okay, what's it? She said... The baby picked up the bottle with his left hand. There you go. Yeah. And so that's what unfortunately happened, is that in, in without thinking, we discouraging left-handed children to lose their diff, use their left hand, and to say, now we're starting to build that pathways in the brain. And it creates not abnormality, it creates frustrations. Mm. And remember what I said, it only comes to play when the system is under strain. And we were talking about earlier about this generations, is the visual system under strain? For sure. Because of the 8, 10, 12 hours they're spending at near work, the system is under strain. Cross-dominance factor is going to kick in. These kids are in trouble. To me, it's not rocket science. Because I've been seeing thousands of these cases, and, and, and sometimes it really takes me onto my knees if I see that people travel four, five, six hundred kilometers just to come and see me. The so important thing for that is that the approach that we're using is working. Otherwise, we would have not had these children piling in mm. to come and be helped. So, Prof, I, I just glanced at my watch and we've gone through two thirds of our program already um, we will definitely have to get you back how do we how do we empower 
our parents now to to realize um, more about dominance and then we we need to touch on what is it that we can do to safely allow children um, to use devices uh, because it, I think it's impossible to turn back the clock, um, the sure. clock to mm. where we were when we were three years old and that was outside. Yeah. Mark, you're so right because uh, – the fact is we need to look at devices in preschool years because if the child now gets to grade R, he's already in trouble. And that's why you start getting reading and learning problems even from grade mm. R. So it's this critical thousand days and even a little bit beyond that, which is so important how the visual system and not just the visual system, it's a set of totally sensory system and, and gross motor systems develops. Uh, there are guys that saying you're not allowed to use Give children devices uh, before the age of ten. It doesn't make sense. Can't because no, it, it, I mean, not, not in this digital no, world. I mean, bec- no. because you, you would then disadvantage that child. Uh, absolutely. Oh no! You see, that's what I'm saying. It. So I agree with you guys. Let's be realistic. Mm. Okay. As I said, there's no reason under the sun to have a child on a device before the age of two. Right. Because it's so critical that we have the other sensory systems and integrations and physical literacy developments that we don't want to back down on that. There was going to be no backlog or I'm not going to be behind other children if I only start getting exposed to devices after the age of two. I'm going to ask a simple question. Uh, Um. And to me, this, in my mind, it makes perfect sense. Why do we then have programs that for babies on on smart devices because we uh, you know and people make money out of it well that's why, why i think why you've answered your question why <laughs> question. but certainly um if we know or have are we not aware of the damage i know that you're doing the study on this is this not widely known yet guys it's not just in my profession money drives the world sure and that's the sad thing even with the uh, medications in, in ADHD, as I said earlier on, the Center for Disease Control in the United States raised the major concern because that medication thing in the United States now exceeds $30 billion a year. So the sad thing is, worst case scenario is people doing it for money. And even these so-called things, and well, guys, if you look at any ad on, 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 on TV or wherever, where they actually say to you, if you don't have this thing, you're in trouble. You need to have this this particular item or whatever it is. So marketing-driven is to get people to buy their things. Mm. And sadly, with the same with these so-called educational programs. The sad thing is, unfortunately, it's not as much as for the education. It's for that people want to make money out of it. And then sadly, we don't consider the person on the other side. It's what impact it would have on them. So, so. actually... We are just being bad parents. I'm not sure whether we bad that parents. We are doing our child a favor by giving them a, a head start. Quite right. Quite right. But we're not bad parents. We've been influenced, influenced by mm. the environment to Why? actually say to us, you know, if you do these things, you're a good parent. So pe- parents, by all means, wants to do things to help their children. Get but them they get, outside. But they now get misguided by all these things that they get exposed to, to say your child have to have these things and they need to have to do all these things uh, before the age of two or three. Mm. We need to have a complete case. You I'm saying we're talking about complete different perspective. Yeah, that we need to say to parents, you know what? And I'm saying that when I give talks on this to say, you know what? You're not giving your child an advantage. Sadly, you're giving your child a disadvantage. I mean, it goes back to the very foundation of st- of stuff. Do you know nowadays everything is sanitized and washed and clean? Yes, even in the place sand. In, no. Even the place in our days, we went outside and literally ate worms. Sure, when we we were kids, sure. we. 
we touched everything. We drank from the garden hose. We did all of that sort and of thing. And so we develop our immune system exactly. to become strong. Exactly. And this is the same sort of thing that we, we, sure. we talk we about. We are engineering ourselves weaker and weaker. It's again, With big thumbs. that pheno, phenotype mm. that, that you spoke of, mm. um, we are engineering our environment to weaken us. Mark, you see why I said yes when you asked me to come? Thank because you, we need, we need to get We need to get a different perspective on this and to say we're not winning, we're losing. Mm. I actually wrote something which I've called, we're actually losing when we think we're winning. And and that's the whole thing, how to deal with this whole devices. So to answer your question more specifically, no devices before the age of two. And after that, guys, maximum three 20-minute sessions per, per day. day. Per day. Yeah. And until what age would you keep that limit? Or is that the limit that you will put until they get to grade R? Indeed. Indeed. Because there's no reason why they should spend so much time on those things. Mm. And then you can also control the kind of content which they spend on those 20 minutes. Then you're getting your child in. Uh, And the distance... Um, you know what, I know as an adult, uh, and I don't know um, from exactly w- w- what age, um, and this is again my dear friend Dr. Melanie Jacobs and your mm-hmm. dear friend Dr. Jacobs mentioned to me 40 centimeters. 40 centimeters sure. is the comfortable distance in which our eyes focus um, easily and naturally. Sure. You see, and, and those are two sides of the coin. We haven't even got to that, which refers back to the lockdown syndrome. And that is the one is my system goes under strain, and then I'm battling with learning and reading frustrations. The other thing is that if we're spending so much time at near, our system and children are not using 40 centimeters. They're getting into 10, 20. Mm. You'll see how close those little devices come to the face. Mm. So what we're now doing is we're getting an over-excessive focusing. And so now my system is focusing, the lens is focused near, and when I need to look up, that lens needs to relax. Now the lens is not relaxing 100%. Mm. So what happens? Children are... Exactly. Which we call near point induced transient myopia. It sounds terrible, but what it says, because I'm spending so much time near, if I now look up far, I can't see. And I have to wait for my system to relax so I can see far. It's the, it's, I told you these things are not new. It mm. has been there I, all the yeah, time. I had it at varsity. I had to look over my glasses um, at, at what was happening in the front. And, and we sat in the sure. big auditoriums. Yeah. Um, we didn't have small little lecture rooms. Mm. Yeah. And I couldn't, I couldn't focus on, on the boards or on the projectors. But I could see in front of but me. So I, I mm. moved my glasses. I was like one of these old ladies yeah, looking at the store. Um, you know it, and and you also see it with people who've been on a de- on a device, and it, it takes a while for them. They, they look exactly. blank exactly. for a while until suddenly, the, obviously, the world comes back sure. into focus. You see, now the sad part is there. Sometimes the world don't come back into mm. focus, and what we've done previously, and even my profession, I'm asking, we need to look for a different perspective, uh, because then they would give you glasses to look far. Well. And well, if we're talking in children, we'll come to multifocals later. But the fact is that I can't see far, mm. and why, and again, that's the symptom. Why am I battling to see far? Because of the strain that I'm getting near. So if we control the near point strain, my distance vision remains intact. But what happens is now we correct you to see far, and six months later, because you're wearing those glasses, the strain has increased again, so you have to have new glasses and made stronger and stronger and stronger. And that's where the thing is. So that's the other side of the coin. Kids don't read and well, the learning and reading guys, because they get out of the task, the system says it's not fun. The guys that stay in the task lose their distant vision. It's two sides of the same coin. And it's all coming down. How do we maintain and rule this thing? Guys, I've seen two-year-olds now last year in the lockdown turning squint. Mm. And that's a so difficult they were, squint. They had... 
perfect vision and then you know what mommy and daddy didn't want the screaming children exactly. around them so put them on a exactly. device yeah. and you know what create little one eyes looking at you the other eyes looking that's for a, you absolutely and again so when i started gaining this i also went into research yeah and it's been confirmed again it's called a, cr- a terrible thing it's called a quite acute combatant isotropia it sounds terrible but it just says <laughs> that oh i yeah well we sometimes for, for have this ability understand we have this ability to have these terrible terms yeah, for you, those of you who don't understand medical nomenclature um prof yanni will explain <laughs> that to us yeah. no, all next means, week <laughs> yeah but all it just says that uh, it's an eye turning in mm. which is there's no explanation for Okay, and that's terrible to get that eye actually focusing, and then said the other thing that intermittent that I'm and I'm so, you're quite right. I'm getting it in adults as well because mm. they also now spending when sitting at home far more. And Time. what they would complain about is that they seems to be good in the beginning of the day, but towards the end of yes. the day, they can't see the TV or they. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That for me was a hundred percent true. Night driving, exactly. Yeah. Now you see now again the thing is not to correct the distance vision because that's the symptom the cause is of the amount of time that I'm spending near so you should actually correct the close vision reduce the strain at near if you reduce the strain See, at near but prof, then immediately you know what we're looking at our optometrists and our optometrists are getting it wrong uh, I'm not going to comment on that one, but I've just said I, I, I just said to you we need a different perspective. Mm. Okay, we need a different well, perspective. This this is uh, uh, I very few times has the hour gone past so, so quickly. Yeah. Um, uh, see, even you had to look at your watch, um, Prof. It was it was wonderful having you here. Sometimes we need to. We need to take this further. Um, yeah, I feel we've got a great overview. So, sort of at the, yes. the start of We're a just journey. Just the start. Yeah. Yeah. So, You're right, guys. We didn't get into the small detail. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Lastly, um, let's recap. Vision is formed by laying down pathways between the eyes and the brain. We can affect that by either causing strain on on the eye or by changing um, the pathway and that we reroute it. Particularly at the very early age. So the first thousand days, the first Mm. three years, no... Devices, no mobile phones, let them play with your keys, um, get them those little rattles that we mm-hmm. used to have, or put a, a mobile, and when I talk mobile, sure. those round things yeah. with animals on, that's what you, yeah. that you stimulate children with today. Otherwise, take them out of a pram and put them on the grass. Um, it's incredibly important That's for tactile. sensory oh. development. Um, sensory as I think in touch. That's what Melanie was saying the other day as well. Yes. Exactly that. So, and Prof, then we carry on from the 33 20 minute sessions um, mm. at a correct distance. So, for a baby, an arm's length at least, maybe yeah. a little bit more. Yeah, we call, yeah, I would say for a little baby, while it's their arm's length, I mean, we call what we call a Harman's distance, you know, that's from your chest, from your fist to your elbow, because in the old days they would say a ruler distance. Okay. But be different sizes, so it doesn't, but yeah, the important thing is it needs to be at a comfortable distance and definitely not closer. Okay. And then, um, determine from a young age, um, dominance in children and do not change the dominance. No. So it's as easy as that. Um, I know that they did this for, for, for the kids or the parents who don't know what the avatar is. Um, the avatar was chosen by putting objects in front of him on the floor and he had to pick up certain yeah. objects mm. and look, take a look at which hand, um, 
picks up sure. objects and you know but the one that reaches out that's the dominant hand and but that can change like with sure. me it's right-handed but left-footed no but i mean it was amazing your bottle story the story of, of the baby yeah. which hand does the baby grab the bottle with yeah. and 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 then work with that allow that to happen yeah. because there's no doubt sorry guys i just want to say that there's no doubt that people are still moved out of the left hand if you look at this big big research big numbers 9.4 percent of people are left-handed Sure. But it but should be if you, 50%. Well, you know, in, if you think nature, you're right, Mark, but it's not that. But if you then look at our dominance, our dominance is 33.4%. Of left, of left dominance. Left our dominance. Wow. So now you start getting closer to the 50-50, which you've just been referring to. But can you see that we're talking about more than three out of ten people are sitting in the situation that they were supposed to be left-handed, but only nine of percent of us ended up still being left-handed and that's why with what we're now seeing in our society nowadays that's why we're seeing these things i'm not surprised to see it okay prof if we have people who listened to the show um you know it's always easy to get a hold of us at the t clinic or at by dr mark Mm. um you know it's on the website but how do we get hold um, of someone like yourself or who do we contact if we as parents think um you know what uh, my child might have a problem. Okay. You are, I'm quite happy to give my email address. I, com- I communicate with Great. a lot of people. And my email address is just simply Yanni Ferreira 466 at com. So we will ask our um, uh, producer, Dante, um, to to put it on onto the site. Um, it will oh. also go out on social media when... Um, we, we post the photos of this morning's uh, show. Prof, um, thank you. I know that you came all the way from Hart Piersport, um, mm. so you had to leave very early this morning. Uh, please say thank you to Lynette. Um, I, I, I do apologize. And <laughs> then um, we haven't mentioned Alice. Good morning, Alice. It was Hello, your 40th Alice. birthday yesterday. Oh, happy birthday. And um, it's... International Nurses Day. So, oh, and okay. I have one of the most special nurses in my office, uh, Sister Elise. Uh, I know that at the moment you're not feeling great. Um, you know, but you are a special person. Like all the other nurses out there, we as medical practitioners cannot do what we do without you. Thank you for your service to the communities. Uh, have a beautiful day. And um, next week we are back and we are talking uh, sexual revolution again. I love the uh, sexual shows. So, yes, can't wait for it. <laughs> Guys, thank you so much. Uh, Prof. Y- Yanni and Mark, lovely to speak to you. We'll chat again soon. Have oh, a good one. Great to be here. Thank you. Cheers, everybody. This has been the Tea Health Show with Dr. Mark and Chris Avon Smith, sponsored by the Tea Clinic. For more information, contact admin at theteaclinic.com.